all of us want to make a difference. As veterans, we committed to protect our country. We served and sacrificed for the things that mattered most. Those experiences shaped our lives, even if it isn't always obvious to those around us. And now that we've served, our commitments have taken on a new meaning. We're husbands, wives, parents, friends, and neighbors. But sometimes we still feel alone. We forget that our biggest challenge can be to ask for support when we need it. The Veterans Crisis Line is here for all veterans, service members, and their loved ones. Dial 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat online at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255. It matters. Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hoobazoo Network. You can find out more on hoobazoo.com. And I want to take a minute and thank my sponsors, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate, Mark Holmes, Army National Guard veteran of Reaper Detailing and Power Washing, and my supporters, Semper Savage, Bottom Gun Coffee, and Quezon Shaving Company. And kind of like these companies I just mentioned, my guest today is a business owner who is a veteran. And also, I, I've learned a whole lot from her during our time of knowing each other. I want to introduce Sharice Crawl, Army veteran, to uh, Oscar Mike Radio. Sharice, after long last, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. This is exciting. Yes, thank you. I don't know how long it's been since we've been trying to put this together, but I'm so excited that we finally got it done. Well, I mean, where there's a will, there's a way, and we found a way, and we're on time. How about that? Hey, we're doing well. <laughs> so just a little funny story. We were meeting some people um, outside of this, and one of them happened to be an officer, and the officer was not on time. And I kind of joked with Sharice uh, saying, you know, are officers ever late? She's like, no, they're kind of detained. The officer shows up and says, sorry, I was detained. And we were like, yeah, that's when we had a bond, Sharice. That's when I knew that, you know. Hey, communication's everything. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're a veteran. You served in the Army. Just kind of tell us, you know, about that. Not, not like in depth, but maybe the Cliff Notes version of what your military experience was like, please. Yeah, so I was in the Army for almost 10 years, active and National Guard, and the first year I was in, I was a petroleum supply specialist, because of course the, the recruiter talked me into that, because a lot of girls go into that, is what he said, quote, and uh, quickly realized that that was not for me, switched over to aviation, started uh, learning how to work on and crew Black Hawk helicopters in an aerosol unit. And then uh, got attached to some special forces units and got deployed a couple. Well, technically it was one time, but uh, it was a couple deployments. Can I ask a, a Black Hawk question? Yeah, go for it. Did you ever have to join the pilot and auto rotations training? Yeah, so it's a required training. So every, every person who is flight crew, and that includes pilots and crew chiefs, have to deal with uh, controlled auto rotations. 
which and that's where you really mess people up (laughs) that's the fun stuff (laughs) yeah it's kind of like a controlled crash that isn't i mean it's crazy right it's simulating engine failure essentially (laughs) and when you get a new crew chief brand new that's the time where somehow you don't have communication you don't have comms for them to hook up to in the helicopters they can't hear what's going on very first flight I mean, just kind of the, not haze, of course, because that's not allowed, but just to kind of wet their wings a little bit, we will simulate an auto rotation or we'll get into an auto rotation and suddenly they're falling from the sky and they either puke or piss their pants and then they got to clean it up. (laughs) That is epic. That is absolutely must have been the best part of the job. Did you like working on aircraft and doing all that? Yeah, I miss it. I love it a lot. It's one of those things, uh, of course, as a female, I communicate differently than men. And one of my public speaking talks I did recently was just giving people a little bit of a description on, on what a day in the life was like as a helicopter mechanic. And if you think of it as a male-dominated environment, I was the only female in every unit that I was in as this uh, job. And then you look at how notorious men are for not wanting to read the manuals or follow directions. And that is a requirement for working on helicopters. (laughs) It was a a fun situation. (laughs) Aren't rules supposed to be broken? Uh, not when you have zero tolerance and you could kill people in a training mission. Aren't, aren't, aren't policies and procedures just structured guidelines? Yeah, when when you want to fall out of the sky for real. <sighs> well, that must have been, yeah. Uh, it wow. was a, my daily life was a lot of, I told you so. <laughs> um, it must have been like, having your older sister freaking luring over you constantly wow well, keep in mind i'm only five three and a half so i was like looking up at everybody doing that not lording like going over them yeah but, <laughs> i mean like we were talking about i have sisters and they can see their, their their bark is worse than their bite and vice versa sometimes all right well yeah we we can be a handful and there you are leading us back into the pasture like the lost little lambs of <laughs> You just like did it. Cats. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So did you go in the National Guard after your active army service? Right. But it was it was an interesting situation because so I was, I was active for a few years and then I went National Guard, but ma- the majority of my National Guard time was on active duty orders. So it was constantly either in training, getting sent somewhere or getting deployed. So you're doing all this. And, and, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I've known Sharice for, I think, three years now, give or take a couple of months. And one of the things that, you know, I've understood is during all this, you're thinking about going into really betting on yourself and starting your own business, uh, your your own career outside the Army. Now, how did all that get going? It's funny you ask that because I started my own business due to the Army directly because of that. So as soon as I got in, I was a young kid. I joined when I was 18 years old. And I thought that the army was supposed to have great leadership and it had the exact opposite. Um, (laughs) 
and it, it had extreme management. You go to any leadership training that the army provides and it's actually management training and there's a difference. And because of that, and due to the promotional structure that was in place during this time, there were a lot of people that would get promoted that were not good leaders. Uh, they were horrible leaders. And that affected my career, my life, and that affected the, the careers and lives of my battle buddies, the people I cared about that I worked next to. And so about two years after I joined the army and dealt with this every single day, I realized that I had to do something to change it. I had to put myself into a position with knowledge where I could try to combat that a little bit. And the biggest thing was I did not want to become a sergeant or an officer or whatever I was running toward at the time and be that kind of leader. And so I picked up a John Maxwell book and started learning from him. Then I started on my off time working for a leadership development company. They taught me how to coach, how to be a public speaker, how to work with people. And uh, then I, they helped me build my own business. And so I've been a leadership coach now for 12 years. And that's just one of three businesses I have. Well, we'll start with this one first. Just most obvious question. You say leadership and management. And I, I, I know from my Marine Corps career and other professional things I've done that, you know, those are oftentimes considered synonymous, but they're not. What's the difference between a leader and a manager? The easiest way to explain it is that leadership is a soft skill. It's about communication. It's about learning how to influence somebody and inspire somebody. Whereas management is about systems and procedures and enforcing those systems and procedures. So one of them is a lot of gray area and one of them is a lot of black and white. Well, we're in organizations that are very black and white. So how, how did, did you have to adjust your, your thoughts and, and your way you did things because of that? Or was it because you had a very clear vision of what you didn't want to be? It was easier to adopt the, the mindsets you were learning. You know, everybody learns differently and everybody learns or picks up what they can learn from as a good leader and what they see done badly and learn what not to do. And because there was so much negativity around me, that's what I learned the most from myself. Uh, and so I always kept telling myself, that's what I don't want to become. That's what I don't want to do. This is a problem because I'm on the receiving end of this. So how do I learn what, if I were that person, what would I have done instead? Or what should I have done instead to avoid somebody like me feeling this or dealing with this on the back end? So part one, we have this leadership coaching business that you have, and I, and I know you have, you know, other interests and other things you do. What are those things? <laughs> yeah, for career or yeah, for career, hobbies? For, no, for career. For career, yeah. career. It, it's all, all of my career ventures are focused on one ideal client, which are entrepreneurs and so, small business owners. I used to work with corporations, Fortune 500 companies, um, traveling and speaking for some pretty big places. And a lot of it was just checking the box. And so I found the passion was with this entrepreneur and business owner. And so learning how to build a great business, plus some of the classes I had the opportunity to take at uh, Harvard Business School, taught me 
how to be successful in business and how to leverage time and money so that you're not uh, working yourself ragged for nothing. And then as I grew in my, uh, oh, what's the best word for it? As, as I had more followers and more people, you know, listening to me or getting advice from me, they wanted help with other aspects other than just communication skills and influence skills. And so unintentionally, I built a business strategies company where we have a few people working now and we help people build online revenue streams. We help people take their time and get them some reoccurring or passive income so they don't have to rely on one revenue stream coming in and that going away all of a sudden because of a pandemic or because they get stuck in the hospital for the mo a month or something. And all of that kind of fits into this entrepreneur, small business owner, ideal client, because if you want to be successful, you need to know the strategies, you need the steps to take, but you also need to know how to work with people and influence people, whether it's with joint ventures and collaborations, whether it's your client, whether it's uh, somebody that you have to look up to or listen to, like a mentor or a coach, you always have to have great communication skills and you always have to have great influence skills if you want to get somewhere, if you want to be really, really successful. And then lastly, uh, just this isn't official yet, but I started studying with Robin's Madonna's training to learn how to reprogram some subconscious habits and patterns, some things that I couldn't help people with as a leadership expert because it was something they'd learned as a kid or a traumatic thing happened way back when and now that now they can never go into a, an elevator because of it. I wanted to be able to help them move past those and reprogram their subconscious mind scientifically with neuroscience to be able to get past that so they can be a better leader and a better entrepreneur. So that's what we're hoping uh, will come out in a couple months. We're going to be launching that. So just to, before I go back, just to, you know, clarify something. Are you saying sometimes a client or a person in business is truly, to put this in the vernacular, their own worst enemy? Oh, we are always our own worst enemy. That's why we're the hardest person to lead is ourselves. Wow, that's pretty profound. I mean, and it makes sense because if you can't get out of your own way or believe that you, you know, can do whatever that is, you're never going to get, a, you know, off the starting line, are you? No, that's completely right. When you look at everybody who's successful in life versus everybody who's not successful, it's all comes down to mindset. There was a really cool quote that I heard somebody say, and they said, if, if everybody got $75,000 tomorrow in their bank accounts, every single person in the nation, $75,000, quite a bit of money in about five years, the same people who are rich now would be rich. The same people are, who are poor now would be poor because it's all, it all comes down to mindset. A lot of it is experience because that's how we grow and learn and create these patterns. But if you don't have the right thinking, you're not going to make the right decisions. So let's just say, you know, use me for example, I'm starting a, a business and an entrepreneur what are the things that I should be thinking about as I go through to start my journey? Is it, is it, you know, product only, product only, product only, or should I put a lot of time into preparing 
in my mindset before I even do this. Because sometimes it feels like talking to people, they put the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at it from all of the experience that I have from a business strategist perspective and from a um, leadership coach perspective, I would say that the number one thing you have to do before anything is to put together a self-development and professional development plan. It doesn't mean wait till it's done to start your business. That means know that from here on out, you should always be developing yourself. Every day you should be doing something to help grow and become a better person and a better expert in whatever field you are. And then the second thing, of course, is to start doing market research and start putting together some content, start putting that content out there, start gaining some followers that you can understand where the problem is in your field and then know what you need to do to fill it. If you focus on a product first and build it and they will come kind of crap, uh, that never works, <laughs> at least not anymore. <laughs> you know, no, because no, 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 your why? assumptions are different. But that used to be the mantra, right? So yep. you're, you're not. But that was back in the industrial age. Okay. That was we're in the information age now. That era is long past. It doesn't work anymore. Okay. All right. I, I, I mean, I mean, that used to be the thing, and even now, well, if you just do it, you know, people will come to. But you're saying that's not the, the case for right. More often than not, the people that come to me, they're not brand new uh, entrepreneurs people who've never started before, I get a couple of those, but more often than not, they're people who've tried once or five times and failed, finally gave up trying to do it their way and are going to listen to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm not the only expert out there. And there's lots of people who know more than me in that field. Uh, it's just what I see, what people come to me for because they, they make assumptions in their field because that's what they wanted or that's what their experience was. But nine times out of 10, that's not going to be right. So if you don't do accurate market research and you don't start getting that feedback, you're not going to make the right product or you're going to make a product that's only half right. And then you're always going to be fighting to sell that and always going to be fighting to get the revenue or the ROI that you want from it. So it's just a struggle if you don't do it right the first time. So it, it, it really is about, to put this in the military terms, knowing yourself and then seeking self-improvement. You, mm -hmm. you got to understand who you are and then you got to understand how to improve yourself to better serve your, the problem or, or your, your clients. So I think it's exciting that you're doing entrepreneurial class clients. I don't know if I got that term right, but what happens through the process um you know how do you diagnose when or how do they diagnose the problem because the client's coming to you like you said because what they've done has not worked and and they're frustrated and they're coming to you to help them before they pack it in how do you diagnose where the problems are and then just i don't like assumptions but i would have to guess that then you have to communicate what you found to them in a way that empowers them Exactly. And that's honestly probably the hardest thing for military folks and for myself specifically. And I don't want to speak for every military person, but it's very easy to yell at somebody. That's what we got good at, right? Tell yeah. people what they did wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's our, how we learned how to communicate. But empowering somebody is, is 
complete it, it's the exact opposite of that you have to influence them you have to get them excited inspire them to do something so it's definitely a a lifelong process for me <laughs> to be good at that but um, to answer your question really what I see when somebody comes to me and they they have an issue there's a basic foundation level that I go through which is a method it's black and white look at, at it step by step. All right, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? Figure out what they don't have. Figure out, okay, if they don't have consistently published content, they don't look like an expert, there's no way to build awareness, or it's really difficult to build awareness. And there's a huge gap in the sales process then because you have to try and talk them into you being an expert versus proving that you're an expert or showing them you're an expert. And so, for example, that's one of the biggest things people don't have is consistently published content. I call it CPC. And so if they don't have that, that's going to be the first thing I tell them what to do. And I will always give somebody homework before I take them on as a client to see if they take action. Nine times out of 10, if they don't take action before they pay me, if they don't do something for free, they're not going to do it when uh, they give me a bunch of money and a great example of that. And you would think it's the opposite. I was going to say, I mean, if, if I'm paying you, Sharice, I'm, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to do what you tell me to do. If I'm paying you, I'm just, I'm just saying. You okay. think it's the opposite, but it's not. And I'll give really? you a perfect okay. example. One of my clients used to work directly with Steve Jobs way back in the day. And with how he talked with everything he did in his life in the past, where he was at, how much investment properties he had, all the land he has in Hawaii and all these different places and all this knowledge he has and all these you know, people following him, this big list, you would think that he was someone who liked to take action and that he, he, was, he would streamline things, loved to focus on, okay, if this is what we need to do, then this is what we're, you know, this is the process we're gonna take, we're gonna get that done and come back we're going to be resourceful and high speed, right? And, and that's what a lot of successful people think like, because that's what works. So we start working together and suddenly I'm having to bug him and remind him and get very serious with him eventually about not taking very simple steps. Uh, he kept saying he had a marketing team, but I would give him all the details he needed to market this launch we were putting together. And suddenly launch time comes, nobody shows up on his live video. Not a single person because he didn't market it at all. And he was supposed to be talking for an hour so we could record it and turn it into an automated webinar. He ended at 14 and a half minutes because <laughs> he just didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and then, so I did all that work to help him build this, he paid me thousands of dollars. He just dropped off the face of the earth. He had bought an entire another program that he never collected on after that. And so it was the one person that I thought would be the most or the biggest action taker. And I did not give him homework before I brought him on as a client because I just assumed I wouldn't need to. And uh, people surprise you in a good way and in a bad way. But 
it's not all about the money, especially to even people who don't have it. And so that being said, if you give somebody homework before you hire them as a coach or a strategist, and they come back to you with the homework done, with that action done, something that they needed to do anyway, so essentially free advice, then you know that they're truly ready to move forward and they aren't just trying to pretend to take the steps, to pretend to be successful, which happens a lot too. So it's it's a really surprising field. It just seems counterintuitive to me, but, you know, talking to some lawyers. <laughs> well, it kind of reminds me of talking to a, a you know, Marine Corps lawyer that I talked to recently, you know, the number of clients that would not do what he told them to do, and it wound up costing more money and, and taking more time. So those are some of the challenges. It, it, it's a people thing that you do. I want to ask, you know, one other thing, you know, is it a challenge ever to explain what you do? Because you really can't touch it, feel it, or see it, right? You, you, you're, you're trying to take something very intangible and make it very palatable to somebody that you're trying to coach. How does that work? It really depends on the conversation. If you start learning how to be a connector and you're learning how to actively listen to people, you will always have an ear out for their problem, whatever problem you can fill. And so when you're having a conversation with somebody, if they start talking about a problem you can fill, you can start talking to them about how you can fill that. And that gives them a really good idea on, on what I do. Now, if I were just pitching to somebody, I would just say, I help build thriving professional entrepreneurs with strategies and with mindset training. That's it. It's very Robert Green. <laughs> Well, it is. It, 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 it's the basis <laughs> of a lot of what he says, which is listen, talk less, listen more, right? And people will tell exactly. you what people will tell you what they want. I'm just just curious. I mean, it's it's very cool that you that you were on the same wavelength there. It seems like, but um, no, I'm just just very curious. It seems like the same thing where you know you need to listen as a leader to be effective. Yes, and actually, one of the best skill sets a leader can have is to be a good coach. And coaches listen and coaches ask questions. They don't necessarily tell somebody what to do. They ask them these specific questions to guide them through a journey so that they come to the realization that you wanted them to come to so that it actually sticks into their mind versus if you just tell somebody something, a lot of times they'll either forget it or blow it off. So it's a little bit different. It takes more time, but it's worth it. You know, just a thought here as I'm listening to you. Have you ever tried to apply this to parenting? So parenting, um, everybody is a leader in some way. Being a parent is a leadership position. Right. And the five levels of leadership that John Maxwell talks about, the first level is positionary leadership. And so if you can build influence and inspiration and be able to guide somebody, ask questions, coach, all these different great things that a good leader does, and you apply that to parenting, apply that to relationships, mentorships, uh, even if you, you can lead people that you're below or that you're uh, below. So you can lead your boss, essentially, if you do it the right way. There's every 
situation in life, somebody will have opportunities to be a leader. It's just whether you do a good job at it or not. And parenting is one of those great opportunities. It's certainly been for me. Uh, I, I just, uh, they're, 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 excuse me, they're the best things that ever happened to me. Absolutely. No question. Mm-hmm. As much as, you know, they have made my hair go away, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So you, you have to blame a, it on the kids. <laughs> well, I, I had to learn I couldn't be my Marine Corps drill instructor. It took me a while. And when I started trying to do it a different way, we seem to make progress. Sometimes I'm still a drill instructor, make no mistake, you know, but it, yeah. it works. And, and, you know, that's one of the things. I, I mean, you have clients that, that have difficult situations or having to really rework themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens when a client starts really buying into what you're doing, Cherise, and starts seeing the progress on their end? What's that do for themselves and their business? Well, I certainly get very excited because uh, it's just, that's my passion. I love seeing other people succeed. There was a great quote that says, the hardest thing in life is to see people around you, especially people you care about, not living up to your potential. So when you see that happen, it's huge. But what my client experiences a lot of times it's breaking through limiting beliefs. That is the first thing that happens. They realize they can actually do it. And then their dreams and their goal sets that we do just go huge. They're like, oh, I could make $2 million a month. I'm like, yeah, you can. Look, we just did it with the math right here. So you're good to go. You know, <laughs> I just have to take the time to build it up. Um, you know, things like that. And that's the exciting part is when their mindset switches from this survival mentality, uh, this reactive, everything happens to me and I don't have control over it, to this proactive, I'm going to attack the world, like I got this, I don't know how to do this, but I know I can figure it out. That's what makes successful people. And so when you start seeing that switch in people, and they start believing in themselves, that is the biggest step for them. Their whole body changes, how they walk, how they talk, even their physical appearance will change over time. So you might see some, they always look tired and worn out, not a lot of color in their face. You see them, you know, a month into something where they had that realization and they have color in their face and they're perked up. They've been sleeping better. Things are going better at home in their relationships with their family because they're not as stressed at work or things like that. And it's just incredible. And making money is the first step. It's not by far the end of the journey. So as soon as they realize they can make a lot of money and they're making it consistently, that's when the real fun starts because then you can start working on something that's that can build a legacy. You can start building whatever it is they want, whether it's a book or a nonprofit or an organization or something where it actually makes them feel like their life was worth living. That's the fun stuff after that. Do you think there's something to the saying that money can't buy happiness though? You know, that's a pretty conflicting sentence. It almost feels like it's not finished because of it. Money can't buy happiness. That's true. However, money is a tool. And a tool can give you the opportunity 
or the resource to go out and create something that gives you a residual of happiness. So if you go and you have a pursuit of happiness, you're not going to get very far. You're always going to be pissed off, honestly. But if you pursue a purpose, you're going to get a residual, like the symptom of pursuing your purpose is being happy. So you'll, you'll get there if you pursue that. And of course, money as a tool can help you do that. True. No, no, true. I mean, I mean, I can tell you that uh, what we're doing right now gives me a, a great deal of, of, of purpose and satisfaction from that, that, um, you know, what we talked about would certainly facilitate that moving forward faster. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, worst case scenario, it can always buy you a boat. See, now, he's like, I don't know that song. <laughs> well, 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 uh, I don't know that song, but to me, here's the thing with boats. I, I know somebody at work who races boats and her quote is, you know, boat stands for bring out another thousand. And then from working in, from working in where I work is it's, it's one of the most depreciating assets you can buy. It's not even an asset. They don't even consider an asset. It's a toy. Yep. Banks don't like it. So yep. just like a car, it's a liability. No, it's no, there's so a song that says money can money. At least it can buy me a boat. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I don't yeah, know that it's one. It's a country song. <laughs> oh, well, Sharice. It's okay. It's an inside joke. <laughs> I didn't know who Zach Brown was. Uh. <laughs> That's the truth. Jason Aldean, Luke, Luke, Luke Bryan, they're like, you yeah, Luke people? Bryan. There you go. Like, I, I, sorry, You're getting there. No, I didn't know who he <laughs> We'll work people. on it. Well, you know, I'm metal, metal all the way. It's a good start. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> we'll see. No, it's funny because I've always loved horses. I love fishing. You know, boats are great, but I've always loved horses and they're big money pits. And so the quote for them is, if you raise your kids on horses or if you raise your kids to love horses, they'll never have money for drugs. Well, you know, it just so happens I'm, I'm, I, I work with an equestrian nonprofit as board president and, and I've learned a whole lot about horses and that is, it. that is a true statement. <laughs> that is a true yep. statement. It's something else. They're amazing animals. I mean, I grew up on a farm and kind of was around them, but you know, not in this way. And it's just, um, very different from a dog or cat or any other animal you can outright own. Um, yeah, because they have a sixth sense. Uh, yeah. The studies finally came back after 20 years. This was maybe five or 10 years ago, so not too long. Studies finally came back that they're better therapy animals than dogs because of their sixth sense. Well, the thing is, to your point, when, when they're working with the veteran, they, they, they force the veteran to get on their level and they pay attention to what the veteran's doing. So it's a different mindset than dealing with a dog because a dog's a, um, a, a, a foraging or attack animal, whereas a horse is a prey animal. It's very yeah. insightful, very insightful. Very true. It's incredible because they are really the mirror of whoever's training them or whoever right. owns them. Right. So if they have an issue, it's because of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here with Sharice Crawl, Army veteran, uh, Blackhawk crew chief, and now has three multiple business ventures wrapped into one with leadership and business coaching. And, you know, we have talked several times before today. It's a special day for me, let me tell you. And, you know, as we come through this, you know, do you ever get to a point where you think that you have 
attained a level of leadership expertise that you don't need to improve yourself or is leadership more of a lifelong thing? Well, so I will answer that this way. John Maxwell is the number one leadership coach in the world, or at least he used to be until he started. I mean, he's pretty old now. He's, he started backing off just recently. They rebranded to the Maxwell leadership team versus the John Maxwell team. And so that being said, if he has gone his entire life and he's in his seventies now, late seventies, mid seventies, and he's gone in his entire life and he has built up to being the number one leadership expert in the world times almost 15. Uh, you take the next 15 people in his prime, put their entire careers together and it didn't even equate to what he had done in his life. And if he says that he is still working on his leadership abilities and that he is not at the peak, then I definitely would never get to that point where I felt like that because he is way better than me, has been doing it way longer, and he still doesn't even feel that way. So it is definitely a lifelong pursuit. And I think a lot of that comes down to us being human. Just the human experience for the fact that yeah, there, there's, there, there's so many different variables. Okay. Fallibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a struggling small business or you're an entrepreneur that's just ran out of gas. And, you know, you talked about some of the challenges that they have. And you talked about some of the victories that, that they have and that you share in them. This is more than just a, a paycheck to you. This seems like a real life calling for you. Am I, am I right to think that? Definitely. So as soon as you see that sparkle in their eye where they realize they never have to worry about paying for gas again, or they realize that they can actually focus on multiple sclerosis and giving thousands of dollars to that every year and feeling like they can help because maybe their mother died from MS or something like that. That is the most amazing thing. It has nothing to do with me. I just get really excited that I am the one that was able to help them get there or at least watch the journey, right? Uh, I'm just a guide. I'm not the hero in the story. I'm the guide. Uh, if you've ever read the book, Sto Building a Story Brand, it's phenomenal. Uh, but that's the exact idea behind it. But there's a little bit of you in their success, right? There is, which is why I get proud of it. Yeah. But... Not everybody is coachable and everybody has to decide to take those actions. And even if I'm doing the service for them or with them, where I'm doing part of the work, they still have ownership to take in that success. And so it wouldn't happen if they didn't do it, which is oftentimes what does happen if you're trying to, you know, build it on your own because it's a marathon and not everybody has the resilience and adaptability to to get through those tough times by themselves. So uh, you have to have a guide if you want to be really successful. If you wanna be successful faster in the beginning, having that kind of guide makes that possible. So it's not a necessity in the beginning, but it would definitely be useful. So I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a veteran entrepreneur, business owner, and I'm trying to 
reboot or come out of COVID or get to that point in life where I can, you know, have the kind of legacy I want. How, how do people find you, get in contact with you, Sharice? And I'll have all the links to your, uh, you, you know, company in the Oscar Mike radio show post, but this is very important. You know, some of the best ways to get a hold of me, or if you just search for me on Facebook or LinkedIn, but I also have fivestepleadership.com or Sharice and co, but I don't suggest trying that one simply because my name is spelled pretty weird. So get the link below versus just using this audio to try and figure it out. I do have a podcast called Thriving Professional Coaches, and I have a blog as well that you can find through my fivestepleadership.com website. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I mean, you know, I've always felt like I've learned more when we've talked, whether it's just in passing or just sitting there, you know, we're, we're in the five ton heading back to the pause. And, you know, I'm like, I've always learned more talking with you. And I feel that if I'm learning more than other people will as well. So I just want to thank you for taking time on your busy schedule to talk with me. That's not a problem at all. You know, Travis, I'd do anything for you. I always have my battle would you, buddies would you, back. Would you, would, you, would you take shots for me? Of I don't course. like shot. You would? <laughs> so next time I got a shot there, you can come and you can get stuck for me? Sure. <laughs> they just got real good. All right. All right. <laughs> well, I am with. I got you. Uh, well, I am with Sharice Crawl. I'll have all the links to her um, business ventures in the Oscar awesome Radio show post, the podcast. You better subscribe. And, you know, if you like what you're seeing here, please like, share, and subscribe to the Oscar Mike Radio Show. And, you know, I think what I want you to learn out of this, ladies and gentlemen, is you don't have to struggle alone if you're trying to keep your, 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 your dream alive. You can get real help here. So, Sharice, let's close this out and thank you again. Thank you, Travis. I really appreciate it. And as we say, we are Mission in Flight. Thank you very much. And we'll be back. I want to thank you for joining me and watching Oscar Mike Radio. Now go to OscarMikeRadio.com and click shop to check out all the cool merchandise from Authentically American. All proceeds go to veteran service organizations. We are Mission in Flight.